Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We're going to do a deep dive today into the docent research group. Some of you have been following this. Essentially, there's been a scandal, for lack of a better term, over the last few weeks with Ed Litton, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and some sermons that he plagiarized from J.D. Greer and from uh, one, at least, from Tim Keller that, that we know about. We don't know about the ones we don't know about, right? But uh, some have thought, and I'm being among those, uh, that there, there's probably something deeper here. From the 40,000-foot view, knowing what we've known about evangelicalism over the last three years, four years, five years, ten years, uh, there seems to be a huge push for social justice, large portions of evangelicalism taken over by it, uh, subversion. Uh, it, it happens in a dishonest way most of the time. And um, I wondered, and I know a number of others wondered, whether there's something else going on. Maybe there's some some talking points. Maybe there's some things that pastors who preach are supposed to be saying if they're hooked into that, that social justice mindset, and they're, they're in those circles. Are there are ideas being passed around for how to, uh, let's say, massage some texts, perhaps, like Romans 1, or get around some things, or promote this ideology uh, in their preaching? And that has led some, including myself, to do some research on this. There was an article that came out today, uh, very fresh. You can go look it up from on protestia.com, protestia.com, on this whole issue, on docent research group, and what the, the connections uh, that exist with docent research group, what docent research group has been doing, and who's been doing it, more importantly. I want to show you some of that. Um, Along with a number of others, uh, I was named at the bottom as helping out with some of this research, and I have helped out. Some of the research I'm about to share with you is not in that article. Uh, there's some research in that article that's not in what I'm about to share with you. I'm highlighting what I think is important. Um, but I, I've spent hours uh, over the last, uh, well, here and there, over uh, uh, this morning and um, yesterday, and, and then before that a little bit um, last week, just doing some research on some of the people we know work for docent. And um, I could probably do a lot more. There, there's a lot of other stuff out there that I haven't covered, but I think I've got what is needed. I think I, this is what's necessary for you to understand what's going on. And that's the big question. What is going on? And then many of you feel that way. What in the world? I can't trust any institution. That's, that's probably how so many of you feel. I, I can't trust the government. I can't trust uh, my job with all the implicit bias training they're doing. I can't trust um, the sports teams I used to follow. I can't even watch ESPN anymore. I can't. You go down the list, you, you, you feel like you can't trust hardly anyone. And now you're thinking, depending on what church you're in or what sermons you listen to from maybe celebrity pastors, man, can I even trust that the pastors that are preaching sermons I listen to aren't ripping those ideas from someone else? Are these are even authentic sermons from their own minds, their own creations, or are we just, is it just a political talking point that I'm getting in every single avenue of my life? And I relate to that. And I wish I could tell you that, no, there's, look over here, there's this institution over here. There's, there's this um, uh, organization that you can really trust. And yeah, there's some, there's some organizations that I like. There's some things out there, but you know what? In general, uh, looking at the broad spectrum of organizations, civic organizations, religious organizations, etc., um, I, I don't know what to tell you guys. We have to exercise a lot of discernment today. It is very difficult to exist in this world and not run into lies somewhere, not run into propaganda that's meant to make us do something that we don't want to do. Well, 
This is no exception to that, guys and uh, and gals. And I want to I want to show you. And I want to show you. So um, we're going to go through this, and I'm I'm going to give you all the research that I know about that I think is significant, and I'm going to let you draw some of the conclusions yourself. Two verses, just actually just portions of verses um, I was thinking about yeah, last night, Jude 1 and Galatians 2. Um, Jude 1.4 says, For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, Galatians 2.4, but it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in, both talking about false teachers. And I just want you to notice, there's, there's only one element. I'm not even, I'm not giving you the context. I'm not, this isn't a Bible study. All I want to do is just highlight one thing. Oftentimes, false teachers, false teaching comes in under the radar. It coasts in, you don't notice it, and then in, until it's too late. That's often what happens. This isn't new. It's 2,000 years ago. People coming in unnoticed, false teachers, false brethren secretly brought in. So this isn't a new thing. I know for many of us, this feels like it's so fast and technology has helped spread some of these ideas. Um, but it's this isn't an old thing. This is like Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. So let's talk about docent. Um, how it started. Well, we just briefly mentioned Ed Litton's church had copied um, some sermons from J.D. Greer, 15 of them that we know about, and one from Tim Keller. They copied Dallas Bay Church's doctrinal statement without attribution. And this was, you know, thought of as maybe this is such a, uh, anomaly, uh, an anomaly. This is so out of the ordinary. This doesn't happen normally. And now some people are wondering, does it? The ERLC, uh, this has been shown now. Uh, you can go to the protested article that talks about it. Heather Rice uh, Minus. Uh, Heather Rice Minus is the Vice President of Government Affairs and Church Mobilization for Prison Fellowship, the nation's largest Christian nonprofit serving prisoners, former prisoners, and their families. She's written a number of articles for the ERLC. Called a, uh, one of them is called A Call to Pray for Those in Prison During the Pandemic. Another one is called What the Bible Says About Second Chances. One is called One Way to Fix America's Broken Drug Laws. Except, did she actually write them? Grayson Pope, who um, also, and I'm going to go into him a little later, works for Docent, actually has on his uh, resume the um, articles that he's written. And all three that I just mentioned, written supposedly by Heather Rice Minus, were actually written, according to Grayson Pope, by him. And he says on his resume, I'm not listed as the author of these articles. What is going on? And have we found the tip of an iceberg of something that is much deeper? This is what Docent Research Group claims. So for those who are listening and can't see, uh, there's a church, it grows and the pastors uh, becomes many pastors, they hide the higher pastors, and it was too busy. The pastors wore too many hats, they felt pulled in too many directions, and so the leaders chose to partner with Docent for sermon research to build powerful messages for best practices, insights, and book summaries. For demographic research and position papers, for information to make wise decisions. For curriculum crafted with the church's DNA as a trusted partner focused on executing the church's mission theologically in tune, operationally in sync, 
and their effectiveness was multiplied by loaves and fishes. I'm going to stop it. Are you, are you catching what's happening? Docent knows your church DNA. It knows, it knows things more than you. It's going to give you wisdom, right? That's what it's going to give you. you it make you wise uh, with the research that they have. And uh, you're too busy as it is. You know, let, let outsource some of that wisdom to us. Let us, we, we know your congregation. We can figure this stuff out for you. And it's going to be like loaves and fishes. You're just going to, what, what's the hook here? You're going to be successful. It's going to multiply your ministry if you just use docent. With docent, pastors can concentrate on mission, on the gospel, on creating healthy disciples, and on creating new churches. All right, enough of that. This is what Dosen is, is claiming to do. They're going to make you successful. They're going to make you look good, that kind of thing. And lest you think I'm taking this too far, let's hear what some pastors have to say about it um, in a moment. I'll, I, I forgot. I'm going to go over this first, too. So here's specifically what the website says they do. Demographics, position papers, church surveys, book summaries. Okay, You can go look at their website if you want to know more. Here's the pricing. Now, this is not publicly available, but it's on the Protestia article. They f- somehow found it. Um. They price it, it says Docent's church surveys are priced based on the number of questions in your survey, not on the size of your church. Our survey pricing uh, follows a simple curve such as the more questions, the lower the price per question. A sample of prices are displayed in the table below. So this is, I guess, for a survey. So this is, I guess, one aspect of what they do, I'm guessing. Um, Number of questions, if it's 20, it's $180 per question. Total price, $3,600. And it goes up from there. So this is how they make their money. They, I guess this is one of the things they do, surveys. Uh, and, and so they're making a lot of money off of this. Here's some endorsements for you. Mark Driscoll, founding and uh, preaching uh, pastor at Mars Hill Church uh, back w- when he was pastor there in Seattle. Docent has been invaluable to me. I think I have had them to do nearly everything but cut my grass. Hmm. That's encouraging. They have saved me hundreds of hours of work and multiplied my effectiveness. I recommended them to lots of friends because any ministry that serves leaders who serve God's people is a great gift. Huh. Everything but cut my grass. J.D. Greer. It's been a humongous help to me, saving me literally hours each week and improving the quality of my preaching dramatically. These guys are the real deal. I give them assignments and questions on everything from the interpretation to cultural analysis to illustration, and they get me through answers always on time. They are outstanding scholars and really get my job as a communicator. I often have people remark to me, how many hours did you spend on that sermon? Where do you get time to do all that research? Ha, thanks guys. Thanks for making me look so good. This is on their website, guys. This this was up until recently. Um, This is disturbing. This is, it feels astroturf. It feels like you've been duped. If you're in these churches, you thought these sermons were coming from your pastor. How much of them are actually coming from some organization that's writing the sermons your pastor's giving? I remember when I was reading years ago, J.D. Greer's sermon, When the Fall Affects Us All, right? And I looked at the manuscript and I thought, this is an odd manuscript. First, It's just odd. It's the way it was cited was, was, it was interesting. I just didn't think, and I don't, know, I, I don't know if I want to go into all the details of why I thought that right now, because it doesn't make J.D. Greer look too good, why I thought this. But um, it's it looks, it, it has just, I didn't think J.D. Greer wrote it. I'm just telling you, I didn't think J.D. Greer formatted, at least, uh, the citations and everything that he had in his manuscript. Uh, the way he delivered it, too, it just, it, it, it seemed, I had a gut feeling at the time, I was like, this seems just slightly impersonal. Now I think I'm wondering, I, I'm, I'm figuring out why. 
it felt that way. Let's keep going, though, because this just gets more and more. Matt Chandler and Tim Keller also endorsed Docent. Let's watch these. Hi, my name is Matt Chandler. I'm the lead pastor, teaching pastor here at uh, the Village Church in Dallas, Texas. Been using Docent research for about four years now. When I was, a first, when I was first approached by Docent, I was a bit hesitant. I, I thought it was a bit concerning that, that someone would... I, I ultimately thought, so, so you do sermon work for me? And, and that just bothered me. It felt like cheating, felt like I was being lazy. But, but in reality, the, the team that, that works for me, they don't write my sermons for me. They actually uh, help me be much more effective in regards to preparation because I can do the exegetical work and, and I can do my outline and they can bolster things that I'm just not strong at. And so they can come alongside me and help me with sociological information. They can come help me with certain cultural pieces that I just wouldn't have any idea how to research. And then in regards to cost, you're simply not going to be able to have your own research assistant that's on staff with you at your church um, that, that you'd pay him a lot more, her a lot more than you would docent for uh, doing the work for you. And so I couldn't recommend docent research more highly. So Matt Chandler, at least he's saying he does the exegetical work, but he's saying that they're helping him with the sociological stuff, the cultural stuff. And that is, I think, where the Trojan horse lies. Here's Tim Keller and what he says. Hi, this is Tim Keller talking to you from New York City. Uh, when I started in ministry 45 years ago, the world was a lot simpler. The culture was considerably simpler. Today, that's not the case anymore. So people in ministry, preachers, uh, ministry leaders, they need to understand uh, their local culture. Uh, they need to understand the, uh, the various cultural groups inside their church, their worldviews, their concerns, their aspirations. Uh, uh, we need to, uh, in ministry, we need to understand the trends in the culture uh, across the country. And therefore, we actually need more savvy, uh, savviness when it comes to uh, culture and sociological topics. Brad Vermerlin of the Docent Research Group can give you that. He can write reports to you. Uh, uh, he can do research for you. Uh, he can come and teach you and your leaders about culture and sociological topics. He's done it here. He's great. And I'd like to recommend him and the work of the Docent Research Group to you. So that's Tim Keller on Docent. And again, um, getting sociological information, et cetera, from these outside groups, they're going to come and they're going to tell you about your local church. And I hope you're not missing this, that over and over, yeah, you got to know your local church. And this outside group that's never met them, they're going to help you with that. They're going to know uh, your local church. So we're going to outsource some stuff. And this is just so necessary. And this, this is the elevation of cultural, political, um, to some extent, and sociological concerns uh, over theology, in my opinion. This has been going on as a trend for a long time, but this this is a manifestation in my mind about it. That's just my analysis. But here you hear these big guys that you've heard preach before, many of you, and now you're wondering, okay, what what have they been telling me and what what part of that is from them? What part of that is from docent? How much? I mean, Mark Driscoll saying they, they do everything but cut my grass? J.D. JD Greer saying they make me look good? What's going on? Um, some other connections that are interesting. The Witness uh, said in 2014, Docent Research Group is looking for part-time sermon researchers advertising this. Uh, the Witness, of course, very uh, left-wing, uh, supposedly evangelical, but it, it's, um, it, it's, it's just uh, it, very much on the social justice bandwagon. And so 
when you see something like this, you wonder, okay, like there's a relationship there, isn't there? Uh, this would appeal to those who are very social justice minded to work for docent. Is that who's working for docent? Is that who's writing these sermons, helping write these sermons for these pastors, giving them this information? Is docent neutral on that stuff? Uh, the political stuff, or or is Docent coming with an angle here? Is Docent um, coming at this whole thing of sermon preparation and whatever else they do with a social justice bent? And I think the answer you already know, but we're gonna we're gonna show it uh, for you firsthand. So let's go through some of the people we know that work for Docent, and um, and there aren't any conservatives that we can identify. At least it's obvious. Here's the team on the website. Glenn Lowe, I guess that's Luck, uh, James Gordon, Joy Harris, uh, Amber Bowen. We'll start with Glenn Luck. Uh, Glenn Luck uh, has his tweets blocked, so we don't really know exactly, according to his Twitter, what he believes about social justice and all that. But he did uh, write or edit um, a book for the world, Essays in Honor of Richard L. Pratt, Jr., well, Richard L. Pratt Jr. is the founder of Third Millennium Ministries. In fact, that's what it says. The first thing, first sentence there uh, for the book. And this is very, it's promoting him. You look at the comments, it's promoting him. Um, and if you go to Third Millennium Ministries, this is what they say about social justice. It's very important that mission programs promote social justice. Historically, missions that came to us from other countries did not participate in social justice, in justice causes. They were afraid of being thrown out of the country. They did not know how they would be received, and so they did not teach the church in a natural way that Christians need to participate in acts of justice, etc. It goes on. And if you look into uh, Richard Pratt um, more, it, it seems obvious that he's on that social justice bent. Glenn Luck has done a book, helped put together a book in his honor. Now, if you just type in Glenn Luck on Twitter, it, he's like he's had endorsements from Al Mohler and from uh, just, just all kinds of people. Um, who's who of even a big Eva, if you would, uh, reformed kind of ish evangelicalism. They, they all kind of seem to know Glenn Luck. Um, here's James Gordon. Things start to get more obvious as we, <laughs> we get into this. James Gordon, um, has also deleted his Twitter, but there's some tweets that have been captured. Uh, philosophy professor at Wheaton. And here's what he says. Uh, the only, well, first of all, he says, according to his definition, black people can't be racist. So that's interesting. Black people can't be racist, I guess. You know, well, that's only for the white people. So the only objective I have, uh, let's see, this is in a thread. So um, let's see, is racial equality. If that means chaos, then let's... So here, here's here's the point. He, he makes a tweet. He says, the only objective I have is racial equality. If that means chaos, then let's burn it to the ground. I'll light the first match. He's saying, this is August 20th, 2019. That, I mean, talk about prophetic. I mean, this is before right before, you know, less than a year before, there would be riots literally burning things to the ground. And he's saying, yeah, that's the only objective. I have racial equality. As long as we have that, we'll just burn everything else to the ground. Well, that's, that's great. And this is totally ideological, totally. Conform everything to this abstraction. Uh, and it, 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 as long as people have the same status, it doesn't really matter what the conditions of things are. It doesn't really, be, it's not loving people, it's loving ideas. And this is James Gordon's uh, Twitter account. He also said, um, to someone who was kind of basically giving him some pushback. He says, enjoy your vacation, do yourself a favor, and find a copy of Sunday's New York Times Magazine with the 1619 Project in it to read on the plane. Endorsing the 1619 Project. Here's Joy Harris. Joy Harris, um, not a lot online about her, but here's what's interesting. And, and this may be one of the biggest things I'm, I'm going to share. It may be. Uh, and there's just not a lot of details on it yet. But uh, for those who want to do more research, if they can, this, this is interesting. 
Um, Joy Harris is operations administrator at the Docent Content Group. She's also the executive assistant at Public Square Strategies. Well, what is Public Square Strategies? Glad you asked. Michael Ware is the one who has basically created Public Square Strategies. And Michael Ware is the one, if you know anything about Michael Ware, we've talked about him on the podcast, who helped start the AND campaign. He's Obama, he was one of Obama's faith advisors, helping get evangelicals to vote for Obama. That's Michael Ware. He's a political operative trying to influence evangelicals. Uh, no two ways about that. Um, and Joy Harris, this is just a curious thing. She's operations manager or administrator at Docent, but also executive assistant at the Public Square Strategies. Now, I don't, maybe she's got two full-time or two part-time jobs. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the specifics of all this. If there's a connection there, which there very well may be, you're looking at, uh, you are looking at a direct line into political uh, progressivism, a direct line from political progressivism into the church, into the very sermons that are being written, if true. And, and so th this is, I, I don't have much more on this connection. I'm just telling you there's so something may, uh, or I, I should say, I don't have much more on this potential connection, but there really may be a connection there. I don't know. Um, but certainly that working for someone who is a political operative, this is not, uh, again, we're not finding conservatives, political conservatives at all in any of this. Amber Bowen. Now I have some familiarity. I was the one actually, when I saw Amber Bowen, I immediately was like, oh, I know who that is. Um, she writes for Intersect Project, or she has at Southeastern. She's a Southeastern grad. In fact, a lot of the people I'm going to talk about are Southeastern grads, same school I went to. And it does not surprise me in the least the people graduating from there are progressive-minded, social justice-minded, and they're also helping steer the church in a social justice direction. Amber Bowen uh, wrote for Intersect Project, which I should also mention, Intersect, funded by the Oikonomia Network, which... Um, is part of, I guess, or was funded, I think it still is, by the Kern Family Foundation. And we, years ago, I remember we talked about this with uh, Kern Family Foundation money going into all these different schools, seminaries, and like these kind of work economic, oikonomia is it was the organization, but these programs starting or these classes starting that were kind of had a social justice bent. Well, Amber Bowen um, has written for this Intersect project, which is funded by oikonomia, which is under Kern, or was, and what she's written is uh, all kinds of crazy things, justifying um, postmodernism, uh, redeeming Martin Heidegger, redeeming Jacques Derrida. Uh, she has one on um, Foucault, I believe as well, and Black Lives Matter. Uh, she's got uh, Christians and the transgender narrative, how they're stuck on that. The um, declassifying gender confusion, mistaking the whole, uh, the part for the whole human value in the pro-life ethic. She's moving left on all these things. I encourage you go, if you don't believe me, read the articles at the Intersect Project by Amber Bowen. Um, and she's working for, uh, she's, I think, what was she, the curriculum developer? Let's go back here. Director of curriculum, yes, for docent. That's significant. Uh, and let's see, here's, uh, I guess this is a little out of order. I had this in the slideshow, and I don't know if I want to go over it now. I just had an article. Um, it just I'll just briefly say, Glenn Luck, um, also the director, had an article on plagiarism in the, at the Gospel Coalition from 2010. And basically, it, it just it's weird that he's the head of docent in, in a way. It's just very interesting. But he also says things like, hey, don't tell someone else's firsthand person story in the, in the first person. Like, don't Don't rip people off in that way. Um, it, so err on the side of attribution, 
So basically, he's he's even saying, you know, give attribution. Um, it doesn't seem like that's been going on like it should be. Certainly not with Litton. And we don't know if Litton is directly getting stuff from Docent. We know Greer is saying he has. And Litton is preaching sermons from Greer. I mean, these connections are all... It, it's it's like you're sniffing around, you smell something that stinks. You don't have every single connection yet. I think, though, as people start looking into this stuff and they start seeing uh, more and more of what even I'm presenting here, more is going to come out. And and that's um, part of what I think should happen. The people should be taking this and saying, all right, I'm going to go look into this. Um, how about Drew Tucker? Drew Tucker also uh, worked for Docent. Says, putting on the scholarly shoes this afternoon, getting back into the swing of things, working for Docent Research Group after the summer off, August 26, 2009. And of course, I cannot begin, he says, to understand the thought process of these officers. The videos are devastating and incriminating. Hashtag Black Lives Matter, 2016. 2020, he says, I don't know much. 2020 has taught me that. But I do know that hearing a black and Asian daughter of immigrants speak as, as vice president-elect is big for our country and massive for my friends of color. Guys woke. Here's Caleb Murphy. Another guy who works for uh, Docent, or worked for Docent, I should say, from 2010 to 2013, uh, says Docent Research Group uh, worked for them, let's see, to provide customized research meeting specific needs of church pastors and staff throughout the United States, research and develop customized material for five clients, developed high quality material for one client weekly reaching 1,000 people. That means, uh, translation, mega church pastor. That's what that probably means. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm getting some high quality content. I'm helping a guy preach to 1,000 people every week. Um, here's also some of his stuff that he's written. Um, so, and I try, I was picking things from the time he was at Docent. Because so currently, currently uh, he's saying that he is faithfully LGBT and has a rainbow flag on his profile. But I, I thought, okay, well, maybe that's new. Maybe he wasn't like that when he was working for Docent. This is a recent thing that happens. Well, here's from 2010. Um... He's, let's see, uh, he says, fascinating story from Brandon Ambro on being gay at Liberty University. And then on his social media, this is, let's see, 2011, he posts another story about two friends standing up in the auditorium stage, uh, coming out to everyone one by one. They describe what it was like to grow up and attend Christian colleges, then attend this conservative seminary, even though they knew that they were gay. Uh, let's see, um, they're learning what it means to live as evangelicals and engage this topic in new ways, ways that could bring hope for a better future relationship between evangelicals and LGBT students. So th this is the kind of stuff he's posting while he's at Docent. Uh, here's another one. Nobody should hold a strong opinion on homosexuality until she or he has personally interacted with someone who is gay. I call this the Nicodemus approach. Uh, it's a quote, I guess, from a book, but he posted this 2012 while he was working for Docent. Here's Zach Nielsen. Zach Nielsen says, Woke Church, powerful. Check it out. Check it. Um, doing some research for Docent Group. Uh, this is 2009 uh, when he was working for Docent. Um, let's see. He posted a response in 2010, a response to Glenn Beck on social justice uh, and Glenn Beck's lunacy on social justice, right? Um, let's see. Uh, talking about Trump, um, how Trump obscures the Christian gospel, etc. Social justice, he says, is 2011 equals meeting the basic tangible needs of people and fighting systemic oppression that serves to keep them there. Uh, he's got a quote from Tim Keller on social justice. So, okay, again, another guy to the left uh, working for Docent. 
Um, I mean, they're, they're all like this, just about. Every single one of the people that you can find that is like, hey, this person works for Docent or has said they work for Docent in the past, they're, they're all on the left. Uh, here's another one, Heather Joy Zimmerman. Here's the feminist stuff. Uh, let's see, she says, uh, there's a difference between black churches and white churches. Most white pastors do not describe abortion as a social justice issue, while many black Christians are confused that many white evangelicals fight against abortion and against social justice initiatives. She says, I want to say special congrats to all the seminary, Dallas Seminary women uh, in the TM, THM grads in the midst of all the chaos in our world. I'm so overjoyed to see God raising up women across generations who are equipped to preach the word, to teach truth and love well, praying for you. Now, I don't, does that mean she wants to preach, you know, them preaching to men? Well, you decide. Uh, she says, um, I'll read through this thread, and this is two days beforehand, uh, for the support and investment in a PhD program, I take a closer uh, church uh, of building deeper community that gets me out of the ivory tower, especially as a single. Uh, let's see. Third year, I love the depth of relationships I have with my church. So she's been at her church for three years, saying she loves it. And I'm getting more ministry opportunities now that I have time to seize. The struggle to find what you're looking for is real, uh, but I'm sure to put community on that list too. And I mean, and here's where she says it, egalitarian Baptist isn't exactly common in parts of the South, too. So she's saying basically you drive to get to a church that's an egalitarian Baptist church, meaning they're not complementarian, they're not patriarchal, they're, you know, women can preach, that kind of thing. Women, they don't have the, the designations between men and women that, now I don't know how far she takes her egalitarianism, but... Uh, debates, she says, regarding critical race theory demonstrate a shallow understanding of biblical theology. The concept of sin as systemic can easily be derived from biblical theology without requiring critical race theory. The paranoia is a red herring. The sin of two individuals led to our entire ecosystem groaning. There you go. Original sin is just like critical race theory because uh, it's systemic. That's what she's saying. PhD student in Old Testament at Wheaton College and working for Docent or has worked for Docent. So um, Heather Joy Zimmerman is another one. Uh, let's see, Ashley Gorman, another one. And I'll just show you Southeastern grad. There she is with Missy Branch, who definitely, totally social justice advocate, right? She, she is definitely. Um, you go watch the Southeastern montages. Missy Branch pops up in those. Uh, Thank you, Russell Moore, she says. There aren't enough amens from Russell Moore's uh, post on the Roman road from insurrection during the January 6th stuff. Um, she says, what would really happen if we defund Planned Parenthood and end abortion? This is an older blog, so I'm hoping she doesn't believe this anymore. But uh, in that blog, uh, she says that, I'll just read, it, says, it seems most pro-lifers are really just pro-birthers. They simply want the baby to be born, but when it comes to involvement in the quality of life for the baby or the mom, the majority of Christians don't really care in an obvious or measurable way. Let's say Planned Parenthood did get defunded. No, wait, let's say abortion at large gets eradicated. Hooray for the Christians. A burden lifted off, right? Wrong. That's a burden loaded on. See, that's the big question God had for me. How many, how many of the great and mighty thousands of, at the protest against Planned Parenthood and against abortion. We're going to be standing in line at the adoption center if Planned Parenthood even ever truly got defunded or more if abortion ever became illegal. Let me be clear, places like Planned Parenthood exist because the average woman in crisis doesn't feel safe or comfortable approaching people in the church for help or guidance. Well, that's a lie. It, Planned Parenthood, huh. 
There was a huge need among a massive group of women in our country, the need to process sexual questions, get advice on pregnancy, and deal with the very real factors that contribute to her desire for abortion. Instead of meeting that personal uh, that need in a personal way, it was easier for the church to act like it w- wasn't happening. We stayed in our white picket fences and our prayer circles and our Sunday night potlucks, and we never personally befriended women in that situation. So like any rational person, women found... Uh, and advice help them elsewhere. Listen, we never engage the issue, and that's on us. So how should we change? So it's the church's fault. It's the church's fault that you got Planned Parenthood out there. It's totally, it's, it's the church failed, so got Planned Parenthood. You got, so, you know, murdering people uh, is the fault of the church. I mean, apply this to any other sin, any other context where there are murders happening. You know, it's just, it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. But she's, let's see, from 2018, uh, she's part of the Docent Research Group. uh, And she's served there for the last two years in 2018. So she's been there since 2016. As the lead curriculum writer, she also served um, in a variety of roles at the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. That would be J.D. Greer's church, guys. So interesting, interesting. I think those who are high up at J.D. Greer's church probably know more about Docent and what's really going on. Uh, and it just takes someone with bravery to come forward and talk about what's going on. Uh, Grayson Pope, here's another person, uh, senior writer, editor for the Prison Fellowship, let's see, uh, writer, editor for the Docent Group, and what does he say? Well, uh, he, uh, police are still killing black people, why isn't it news anymore? 2018, post an article, I think, I don't remember what mainstream publication that was from, David Platt uh, quotes him, We cannot be comfortable as the people of God with a clear white-black divide in our country, and we can't be content with deepening that divide in the church. 2018, uh, we got, let's see, June 8th, 2020. Russell Moore's newsletter is incredibly good and impressive. And then we have March 23rd, 2020. A life focused intensely on the things that really matter, even if it's riddled in ups and downs. Uh, Trump's a comfortable life. Let's see here. Um that's really not about Trump. I don't know how that wound up in there. Let's read the ones about Trump here. There's one clear way the world can help the Syrian people. The Trump administration is doing the opposite. 2018. Uh, a vote for black is a vote for blank. A vote for blank is a vote for blank. I keep hearing from Trump supporters that I vote for it, and then he has a link. I'm not sure what the link is, but it's it's a, in opposition to voting for Trump. Now, look, I oppose voting for Trump in 2016. I look back and I realize uh, some of the some of the thinking I had, I don't know if it was all quite correct, but um, Grace and Pope clear, there's a lot more than just this principled stand against Trump's moral indiscretions, etc. Uh, it's against Trump's policies. It's against the, the bringing people, it's, it, the whole issue with the um, refugees, remember that years ago. Uh, it's the um, police killing black people. It's David Platt. It's Russell Moore. This is who Grace and Pope is. Again, another guy from the left. Do you think this guy's come from the conservative side? He's coming from the left. And this is just universal. Here, Jared Wilson, another one. Uh, Jared Wilson says twice, uh, 2013, 2015, on the Gospel Coalition blog, he says this, as a writer who worked for the Docent Research Group, I know that citation of sources were diligently provided, and I've seen the original research brief provided to Pastor Mark uh, Driscoll for the uh, first and second Peter study guide. The footnotes were there. So this is interesting, too, because this reminds me of J.D. Greer's sermon, When the Fall Affects Us All. When I looked at it, it was the footnotes that made me think, this is not written by Greer. This is, this is someone's doing research for him. This is written, this is too, there's an academic flavor to this a little bit. And I just don't think Greer's, and most pastors aren't doing that. They're not doing these academic Turabian footnotes in their sermon notes. I, and I've seen manuscripts. I mean, I've been through preaching class and stuff, and this was, ne- it's not encouraged. It's, so 
to see that in his preaching notes is just interesting. And here you have Jerry Wilson kind of verifying that, yeah, like when we do something, we put the attribution there. He says, in my time at Docent Research Group, working as a pastoral research assistant, I remember the high premium put on killer illustrations. One client I worked for only wanted sermon illustrations, pages and pages of them, no exegesis, no reference excerpts, which means that Docent is doing some exegesis. If this pastor was saying, we don't want that. So Docent's doing more than just giving illustrations. Jared Wilson also, as many of you know, he's the one that wrote that article. Was George Whitfield a Christian, right? Because George Whitfield had slaves. So was he even a Christian? Uh, Jared Wilson, uh, dear antisocial justice warrior, 2018. It's hard for me to believe you're so concerned about the gospel when you spend all day, every day, critiquing and mocking brothers and sisters and rarely, if ever, sharing anything approximating the, you know, gospel. So this is, and of course, it, it, the hypocrisy of even posting a tweet like that is, you know, he's not sharing the gospel in this. And Jared Wilson, anyway, <laughs> what does he expend his energy on on Twitter? But um, here's another thing. The gospel-driven church, gospel-centered for the cause of gospel wakefulness. And this is his blog. And in 2010, in October, he posted this, why social justice is necessary. And some of the things he says in it, um, in the miracles of Christ, we see signs of God's inbreaking kingdom, which is to say not just that they signify God's power in Christ's lordship, but that they signify that God's kingdom is restoring righteous order to the world. Acts of social justice, in much the same way, are these signs. The gospel changes the world. So how does the gospel change the world? Well, it's through social justice. <laughs> and you can go on. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but that's he keeps connecting social justice and the gospel throughout this whole piece. So what's the point of all this? Why share all this? Um, the, the reason I share this is is to show something, is to illustrate something. What you're hearing from your pastor in some cases, but from quote unquote Big Eva, what you're hearing in politics and sports, in, in every um, avenue that you can think of just about, seems very coordinated, very, it's the same message. And some of that's just, for, you know, people like to follow the leader and they're going to go down that track if they think it'll benefit them and or if they think it'll hurt them not to, they'll do it. But there is something more going on. And, and I think we've all felt it. We've sensed it. There is a, a coordination of some kind in the evangelical church. Um, and is it, to, to what extent is there coordination? Are you know our pastors just sharing notes with each other? Well, some are. Some are sharing sermons with each other, apparently. But behind it is that there is a driving force of social justice, um, well-crafted social justice subversive techniques into twisting scripture that's happening and i don't know that independent pastors are the only ones just coming up with this stuff this this is has a centralized feel to it very common talking points and this may be one of the clues into why we feel that way this isn't an organization guys docent's not an organization that is providing uh just what they say they're providing well i'm just going to give you some information that's going to help you in your sermon prep. They're giving specific kind of information if it's coming from the understanding of reality that the people working for them have. The people working for them are, they're woke guys, primarily woke. And it's, it, haven't found anyone that's concerned. If, if you know someone, point them to me. Oh, this guy's on the right. This, you know, this is someone who's working for Docent and you know, they've also, uh, their, their work, they you know, are affiliated with some conservative organization and whether that's theologically conservative uh, um, fight, you know, I don't know, like, uh, you know, they work for founders or something like that, or, you know, they're um, 
uh, from like a political organization, like they're, they used to do work for Breitbart or something like that. I mean, you're not going to find it. You're, you're only finding left-wing connections. And that may be why things feel so left-wing. It may be why some of the books and some of the uh, sermons and just all the material being produced seems it's so, it, it just twists scripture to conform to the equity, diversity, inclusion agenda. So I want to share that with you. Um, not really saying much more than that because we've already gone on for a little over, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> we've gone on for a while now, over 40 minutes. Uh, one last thing I wanted to share, uh, do still have Social Justice Goes to Church and um, they're downstairs, so I didn't grab one, but I have A.D. Robles' book, Social Justice Pharisees. I am planning and I'm hoping it'll work out to finish my next book, writing it at least, at the end of this week or beginning of next week. So prayers that I will be disciplined will be appreciated. Uh, it's called um, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict. That's our working title. And so we're, we're, we're going through that. I got the publisher editing stuff. We're going back and forth and um, things are going well. Uh, and we uh, actually, I had Russell, Russell Fuller. I haven't read it yet. He sent it to me though. Uh, and I'm gonna look at that. He's writing the foreword. So things are going well um, in that uh, category. And we got some big things coming up for the fall and the spring and I'll be announcing those. But one of them is the book, one, one of the many big things coming up. And um, I think you'll just get a lot more out of it. I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of you. That's why I'm writing it. I'm even going to put a workbook together for small groups. But you'll get a lot more out of it, I think, if you if you have this one and you have E.D. Robles' book. Those are the three that I would say. These are, these are good books to have to really understand the issue thoroughly. Uh, so, um, so anyways, links in the info section if you still want those. Uh, I'm still offering if you're a patron five bucks a month, as little as five bucks a month, you get uh, A.D. Robles' book, Social Justice Pharisees Free. Links are in the info section if you want any of that. Um, or if you just want to order yourself, you can order it. It's 15 bucks uh, plus $5 for shipping. And uh, and then Social Justice Goes to Church's autograph. So figured I'd mention that. Um, uh, I appreciate all your prayers and support. We need to be praying for the church in the United States. We need to be we need to be praying that real um, people with spines who love the Lord are going to come forward and talk about what they know about this corruption that is just plaguing the evangelical church. This is an affront to the God that we know. This is a, an affront to Jesus Christ. We should be defensive about this. We should be, we should really, truly, I mean, the, the other side talks about lamenting all the time, things that happened so many years ago, or, or systemic racism that they say is around today, and the privilege that we have, etc. If if you're white or, I don't know, uh, some other quality that makes you supposedly privileged. What what we should be lamenting though right right now in this moment is what this says about the supposed church how many of these people how many of the church is even the church um but they claim to be and that's that's a problem guys that's that should be that should grieve us so pray that this that some strong leaders come come about that some uh i i pray for strong pastors to rise up who aren't affected by what other people say about them or what, what they think or what status they're going to have, but really uh, care about the people that they serve and most of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're not going to be trying to look good for who? For the approval of man and be tempted by something like docent research. So uh, those, that's my two cents. hope that was helpful for you all in some way and educational. Um, other link I should mention, last but not least, if you want any of the information I just presented in the slideshow, it's in the info section. A lot of that info is also, though, at protestia.com, and you can go check it out there.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.